What's up, y'all? Welcome to Carolina Takedown Talk, Episode 5. I'm Ryan Mitchell, joined by Rhett Hoy. We are a podcast presented by Carolina's Matt News. Joined by, by a North Carolina legend here, former Laney High School wrestler, um, VMI graduate student-athlete, founder of Nova Wrestling Club, Tanner Sewell. What's up, man? Dude, what an introduction. I'm, I'm, I'm honored, man. Thank you so much. That just made my day. <laughs> we aim to please here on Carolina Takedown Talk, man. <laughs> well, you just pleased me, so I love it. <laughs> there we go. How, how you been, man? I've been great, dude. Just uh, staying busy. I was at a recruiting showcase this weekend um, where I'm working with some student athletes out there. It was great to connect with them. Obviously, just finished up our season and – yeah, man, I think uh, it, you know, things are going to be kicking off here full swing. We're in a really interesting time uh, in terms of re- for recruiting, just given given the the restrictions that are in place, and um, and just just where where it's all at. I think there's a lot of kids that are really kind of stuck in terms of what's what the heck's going on, and uh, they have every reason to feel that way. It's a pretty wild time. Oh yeah, man, I I kind of feel like we all are. I feel like we're all kind of stuck in this in this little gray area of like, all right, are we, uh, are we still in this? What's going on here? You know, I mean, here in North Carolina, I know you're up in Virginia now, but here in North Carolina, we're about to gear up on our season and, uh, we're all trying to figure out, you know, dang, how do we get these guys in shape? You know, we've got a, a shorter season this year. So how are we, how are we going to get them prepared? Um, you know, we're definitely in weird times, man. Oh, for sure. Well, it's fascinating with the predicament that some of the North Carolina wrestlers are in. I mean, as we all know, and this is the same with Virginia, Georgia, Tennessee, we'll just call it the whole Southeast, um, that, you know, the college coaches just aren't aren't combing through our states, our southeastern states. Um, And with North Carolina's season being bumped to where it is, there was obviously an advantage because I think the risk was lower that it would have gotten canceled. Whereas with Virginia, you know, we were right out of the gate, but, but now it con- it conflicts with the national level tournaments that North Carolina kids, if they're going to get on the radar, have to go to. And, you know, I've had several, several of my clients that I work with in North Carolina are like, well, how do I approach this situation? You know, we've got, I, I I'm committed to my high school program, but I want to wrestle in college and I need to be at NHSCA. Yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. You do need to be at NHSCA. So what do you do? And it's kind of produced produced this really interesting conundrum for for high school coaches and wrestlers and parents and um, yeah, it's a fascinating time to be a North Carolina wrestler. For sure, man. Yeah, so you- that was something, Tanner. That was something that Red and I kind of talked about in the beginning of the podcast. Is that that bunk back season for us has created that conundrum of what do we do national tournament wise? Like we were, uh, we personally hope there's a lot of flexibility on the coach side and student athlete side, just to kind of get kids out there. Cause as you stated, our our North Carolina kids got to go to those tournaments to get recognized. A lot of college coaches aren't going to be at our state tournament, checking our kids out. So for them to get on that national recruiting radar, uh, then they need to be there at those tournaments. Yeah. There's no question. There's absolutely no question. They have to be there. In fact, I had a call, a breakthrough call. Uh, you know, I do a, a free, like, 30-minute call with the wrestler and their parents 
to see, you know, what they're struggling with and whether or not I can help them out. And I had, you know, one of the questions that the dad had was like, you know, my son, I'm just going to call him Johnny, has to, you know, he's got to wrestle at HSCAs. He has Division One aspirations. I don't know whether or not they're realistic, but um, if you do have Division One aspirations or even just college wrestling aspirations, like you said, you got to be there. So I was telling his dad, he was like, how do I approach my son's high school coach about this? And I said, look, you know, first of all, do it face-to-face. Um, and, you know, sit down and just pose the question. First of all, just state your commitment to the program. Look, we're fully committed to this program. We're fully committed to, 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 doing, to being all in here. We don't have one foot in and one foot out. As you know, Johnny has aspirations to wrestle in college. Um, and, you know, NHSCA's conflicts with whatever. How do you feel about him attending this tournament and missing this? Now, hopefully he doesn't miss anything, but he might. And if he does, I say always put it as a question instead of coming in and trying to, you know, uh, you know, smack him around. Because any high school coach is just immediately going to get defensive about that and be like, no. Uh, just go in and ask him how he feels about it. And I think with that approach, I think a lot of parents, I'm not saying they'll have a guaranteed success rate with it, but it's a lot more gentle and fragile. And, and, you know, the coach knows that you're not trying to swindle him or mess the culture up or, you know, any of those things that would be a, a kind of a trigger for a coach, you know, you're kind of disarming those triggers before you go in and pose the question of like, you know, can, how do you feel about Johnny, you know, wrestling in this tournament? For sure. And for so those sure, are some man. really difficult conversations that are going to have to be had. No doubt, man. And so I want to kind of rewind just a little bit and uh, a little bit of a backstory for our listeners. You know, your dad built a powerhouse. Alan Sewell is a North Carolina Hall of Famer, um, current assistant coach at uh, University of Mount Olive. And you just mentioned something that, that you really throw – throw around with your program I feel like you've kind of built it off of and that's culture okay um and I think that's something that a lot of North Carolina wrestling is missing and so you know I like you grew up with my brother um I've known you my entire life and you know I've followed you from from whenever you were at Laney to whenever you went to VMI to now you know with Fairfax and Nova and now with Village um but I guess my question is, is what is your, what does culture mean to you? What do you build your program off of? What, what do you build village off of? What do you build, you know, Nova wrestling club off of? What, what is you, you know, you, y'all's uh, at Fairfax, y'all's big catchphrase, if I'm not um, mistaken, is fight for the culture. Right. So, so what does that mean to you, Tanner? Um, you know, it's something that it's it's something that I, I had to learn the hard way um, in year two at Fairfax. Um, we just tanked and, you know, I was like, what is going on? I'm putting in all this time. I'm committed to the kids. I'm doing this and doing that. And what I realized was fundamentally we were just so focused on outcome and we were not focused on any sort of process. And so I read this book called um you win in the locker room first by john gordon and i think it's i call it our our gospel it's like our bible and we sat down as a staff and just 
dove into that and I, I, I read that book every year, but I just, I, I engulfed myself in this text and I learned several things. I think that, you know, the practical vantage point was, is that if we were going to build a program that was going to, you know, transform people, um, whether it was transform their wrestling skills and their wrestling transformation, or they're just like their, their life transformation, their future transformation, that it wasn't going to be done through results. It wasn't going to be done through outcomes. And it definitely was not going to be done through an emphasis on outcome. Something was going to have to be the vehicle for that change. And where we're at, you know, just like most places in the United States, like most kids aren't beating down your door to come wrestle. I mean, they're not, I mean, you have certain programs where there's a wrestling, you know, an existing tradition, right. Where we grew up because we all, you know, it was just, it, it was built there. We were just kind of expected to do it. But what did, what was something that kids were going to be want to be a part of to actually make the conscious choice to wrestle the hardest sport, as we all know, I mean, I, I'll make that claim. I think it, I think it's the most challenging sport and it's physically challenging. It's obviously all around the world. I mean, it, it's crazy. And so what would make a kid want to do that? And what we found, I think, was that whenever culture is engineered and is engineered, it's designed, it's engineered and it's built. It's not something that happens by accident and it comes alive from the bottom up. You know, it comes alive from the bottom up. It's set, the tone is set from the top down, it's designed from the top down, it's engineered from the top down, meaning the, the coaches, the staff, but it comes alive from the bottom up. And what that means is just, you know, what do we stand for? What are we about? What are we and what do we, what do we not stand for? Like, what are things that we don't accept? Um, and then what are we, what are things that we, you know, promote? And so we, uh, yeah, designed that culture with, with some values and we came up with that motto fight for the culture. And it's been a huge vehicle for kids to, to want to wrestle and to want to be a part of the program and see them, you know, go some special places. And I think hitting on that, like whenever, a kid, and we all know this, but I think a lot, a lot of times it's easily lost in translation, is that whenever a kid's intrinsic value to be a great wrestler kicks in, it's game on, man. The sky is the limit. Like, that's what we should be working for, is, uh, in, is, is fostering and developing or creating an environment where kids are intrinsically motivated to wrestle that they want to be great at wrestling, not because of their mom, not because of their dad, not because of the external pressures from friends or not even just because it's something that they're good at, but because they want to do it and they are enjoying, they find joy in it and they are enjoying that process. And whenever that happens, as we all know, like the sky's the limit, man. I mean, they can do, they, there's been crazy things that have happened with kids starting late who just have this insane amount of intrinsic, you know, motivation to be a great wrestler. And they start surpassing everybody. I mean, especially if you take an athlete. Right. Like, For you know, sure. North Carolina's got blue chip athletes, man. We all know this. A blue chip athlete, intrinsically motivated to be great at wrestling. I mean, look at Denzel DeJournet. Look at Mike Mock. Look at some of the North Carolina greats that have come about in the last 10 years. 
they're all phenomenal. I mean, well, they were winning at the mm-hmm. Division One level. You could obviously point some out too, D2, D3, NAIA, who have probably gone out and done some serious damage as well. I'm talking about your, you know, these guys. But they, I would, I would imagine that. And I did have this conversation with Mike Mock. Yep. I did ask him straight up, what was the key factor? I wanted it. I wanted it. And so the question, again, going back to the culture piece is, okay, so if that's the case, then how do you create an environment where a kid wants that, where it's conducive to it? It's not guaranteed, but the probability right. of that For intrinsic sure, motivation kicking so, in is higher. You know, I, we did the intro about, uh, you know, wrestling for Laney, BMI graduate, founder of Nova, coach at Fairfax. So we kind of hinted on, we talked about it a little bit, um, but I definitely want to hit and, and ask you. So village college recruiting coaching, um, you just started it up. And so I just, I want to know what that's about. Um, you know, I, I want to know what your goal is with that. I want to know what it's about, uh, where you see it going, what your dreams is for it. You know, I, I think the biggest thing you've seen there that I've seen you post on is, you know, what, what 2% of, of, of kids are able to wrestle in college or recruited to wrestle in college, 98% are left to fend for themselves. So, you know, our, your goal is out here to help kids find the right program. You know, tell, us, tell us a little about it. Well, I mean, you know, we all come from North Carolina. And, I mean, it, you know, I'm obviously in Virginia, there's not a, not a huge difference there in terms of the recruiting landscape. Um, but like we talked about earlier, there's a lot of kids in the Southeast and I, I have, I work with kids all over the country. I work with kids in, uh, in the Northeast. I work with kids in the Midwest. I, I have clients in 17 different States that I work with. Um, and that's only growing. Um, but in most States Southeast or not in most States, um, their college coaches are not recruiting those states hard. They're not combing through the state rankings. I mean, some kids are getting, you know, there's some general correspondence, but I wouldn't call it getting recruited. The reality is, is that a lot of these kids, some of these kids really love wrestling and they want to wrestle at the next level. They're serious about it. They can't imagine their life without it. And they have no idea where to start. And there's so many myths surrounding the recruiting process i mean it's bizarre uh some of the things and again i'm not faulting the parents or the kids this is just again it's just there's a lot of bad information out there um or just stuff that people think like recruiting process the way it is right now versus the way it was 10 years ago 15 years ago is entirely different um so what i'm saying is there's a lot of kids who want to do it that don't know how so there's a big knowledge gap huge knowledge gap in how to do it. The reality is with our sport is that if a kid really loves it and they really love it and only they can answer that question. And of course their lifestyle and their choices or training habits will all reflect that, but there's a program for them if they really want it. And I fill that knowledge gap and I equip them with the tools that they need to recruit themselves. Cause like you said, and that alarming statistic, right. only 2% of kids are getting recruited. The other 98% aren't getting touched. So if the onus is on that 98% to recruit themselves, they have to do the reaching out. They have to do the communication. They have to have a plan. They have to narrow the schools down. 
No one's going to be knocking their door down and they have to prove their value. Like I say, the college recruiting process is no different than buying a car. It's a full-blown business transaction, which a kid is not used to. How many high school kids, honestly, are fully aware of what a business transaction actually entails? It's a business transaction, and it is, you know, college coaches can only buy 15 cars a year. So it's a lot like selling a car. They can buy 15 cars a year and a car. So there's, you know, there's five, what I call five key parts of a prospective student athlete. And all of those parts have to be in check in order for a coach to make any sort of investment. And I'm not talking about money. I mean, I'm talking about time. A coach actually reaching out. Coaches are making 200 calls a week, um, 20 calls a day, 30 calls a day. Um, so any are strapped for time. They're strapped for resources. Um, they're strapped for all kinds of things. So what is going to make them want to give you a look? And it's not and, – and one of the common mistakes here, I just got done with a coaching call before I got on, and is it's like I was like, so how, what's your game plan? You know, your recruiting game plan right now. And they're like, well, I'm gonna have my workout partner who wrestled at this school call the coach. That's not gonna freaking work. Um, you know, there's this common misunderstanding that, well, I'll have my high school coach recruit me, or I'll have my friend who knows the coach recruit me. Good luck. It's not increasing your value. It's decreasing your value because you're not stepping up and proving your value. They don't want to hear from these people. They want to hear from the athlete themselves. And the athlete has to have a communication game plan, a communication template, and they have to um, do this in a way that increases their market value. Because, and I say that because it's a very fragile process. It's... If a kid comes off as arrogant, comes off as better than thou, comes off or any kind of, you know, mistakes in their writing, they sound like they don't have their crap together. Coach is going to say, I've got 200 kids on my recruiting list. Why am I going to give you the time of day? Right. So I, I, I basically fill that knowledge gap and I give them a game plan. I say, here's how you do it. And, um, you know, there's a lot of exposure services out there, too. Like, I'm not an exposure service. Like, I'm not like the NCSA, for example. You know, I don't know what they charge, but holy crap, man, it's freaking expensive. Exposure is just one part of the formula. I mean, so so what? A kid gets on a college coach's radar. Now what? Now they have to be able to actually recruit themselves. They have to actually be able to have the communication templates and the skills to facilitate this process in a way that a coach is going to con- – going to actually pursue them. So there's just so many misunderstandings around it. Basically it's to fill the knowledge gap. So Tanner, if a kid was interested in getting recruited college and they, like you said, don't have that knowledge gap, how do they find you? If, if you have like that North Carolina, Virginia kid, they, they're like you said, uh, passionate, really want to wrestle in college. They just don't have that knowledge, how to put themselves out there. Cause like you said, like, these kids really do got to put themselves out there. There's not many kids on that national recruiting scene that are getting hunted down by these D1, D2 college coaches. 
how how do they find you and how do they find Village? Uh, uh, well, they, I mean, it's a good from a marketing standpoint. And that's what we're ramping up. You know, we've got some strategic partnerships that we're working on right now with uh, some some very um, well you know reputable um, organizations in the wrestling community that, of course, we're partnering with. And that's one way we're going to get our name out there. But really, where they can find me is just the website. And it's just village-coaching.com. I have a Facebook group that I post some free resources in um, regularly. It's just called Village College Recruiting Coaching. Um, but, you know, like I said earlier in the call, one of the things that I do for absolutely, like at absolutely no cost to the family is I'll do a free, a free call with them, whether they sign up with me or not. So they can go on the website and just schedule a call. They get a Zoom link, a calendar invite. It's crazy easy. And then we just sit there and, and I ask them questions on, you know, where they're at, what they're struggling with, and whether or not I can help them out. Awesome, awesome. Um, now, I'm interested to hear your thoughts because I'm super interested in the, in the recruiting piece. I try to keep up with our North Carolina kids and uh, kind of ask them what they're thinking as far as their school or what their, um, their commitment is and uh, all that stuff. And the landscape, you kind of mentioned it earlier, the landscape right now is kind of crazy as far as um, kids getting recruited because they missed all the national events in the spring that could have got their mm-hmm. name out there, the Fargo, the cadets, all that stuff that they are, especially our kids here, could have put their name out there. Um, and it kind of, I feel like, especially that that sophomore, junior class, um, what are your thoughts on, like, how those kids are in that group can kind of get their name back out there since they missed. Yeah. I mean, it puts a kid, it puts a North Carolina kid or a Virginia kid or any kid in the Southeast at a, at a very significant disadvantage. Um, I, you know, the first thing is, I mean, the, the way to get your name out there is to start is to have a communication game plan. And I, again, I'll, I'll give some, I can give some general, generalized advice here, but the recruiting piece is very, or I'm sorry, the communication piece is, is honestly, it's pretty fragile. Um, I do not advise anyone to haphazardly start engaging with coaches um, because it's just, it's, it's a first, the first impression, the same way that people say first impressions are everything. It's the same freaking way with the recruiting process. First impressions are everything. And a bad first impression will basically take you entirely off the list. And, I mean, so the first thing is is to, to really work on, like, who do you want to reach out to? Um, like, what do you want? Um, I, you know, I, I have a – uh, on the free resources page on my website, I actually have what I call an, an – um, an engine eval and you can go on there and you can click how you performed at your state tournament or how you performed at national level tournaments. And it'll give you an immediate read on what your potential immediate impact is at the division one level. And it'll do the same for D2, D3 and NAIA. So the first thing is, is to get a realistic gauge on like, are you actually a D1 kid? And this thing will give you a very accurate read on what your what your immediate impact is going to be. So basically, this could tell you, hey, look, dude, you might be able to get a walk-on spot, but you're going to be riding the bench for a long time. If you're cool with that, 
Or, you know, I mean, again, you can be an anomaly and come out and, like, you know, have a breakout season and earn a starting spot. I'm not saying it's not possible, but generally speaking, that does not happen because kids are getting recruited over every single year. And, you know, but get an actual read on what's realistic for you and what you want. And, and start kind of working on a general list of schools. If they're going to do it on their own, they just need to know who they're going to reach out to and they need to have a plan on how they're going to reach out. I always recommend before doing any outreach at all, and we do this in our program, is always go on and fill out the recruiting questionnaire before you reach out to anybody. Have your transcripts in hand. Have your uh, test scores in hand. Okay. If you're a junior and you haven't taken a, a a college placement exam, freaking do it now. ASAP and start studying. But they they're going to need to, you know, it, they're going to have to take some unorthodox approaches. They're going to have to be extra persistent. Um, they're going to have to be um, extra diligent and extra patient because, uh, you know, coaches just don't have as good of a read right now. And, uh, you know, it's you're, I think another another consequence of this, you're going to see a lot of kids in the transfer portal in a year or two. Um, a lot of kids who have a division one portal, um, who haven't taken visits, they haven't, you know, been able to take official visits or anything like that. They're, they're not, they don't know what they're signing up for. You're going to see a ton of kids in the transport portal here in a couple of years. For sure. For sure. I mean, I think, I think a lot of that is going to turn into, and I guess I have, I have this part and then I have a question for you, but I think a lot of that is going to turn into, you know, like you said, not being able to take visits, um, not being able to to really see a campus, to see the room, to, to talk to a coach and have that in-person interaction. Um, you know, I do think we're going to have a lot of transfers. So my – I guess my question for you is how – how do you navigate with a kid who is a – you know, of course, of course, anybody can come out and, you know, their freshman year, maybe, you know, they come out, they had tough, tough weight classes in high school. They get into the right room in college and get the right coaches, the right workout partners, and they have breakthrough seasons, like you said. But not every kid's going to go D1. Not every kid's going to go D2. Um, do you believe that that there's a perfect fit for each kid, that there's a program out there for every single kid, um, that if they want to wrestle in college, doesn't matter what state they're from, but where they place the state tournament, anything like that, do you believe that there's a, a program for them? And how do you kind of navigate helping them find that program? I wouldn't even say there's just one, uh, one perfect fit. Um, I would say there's several fits for kids. And I, I understand your question entirely. Like, in other words, if you're, I mean, if you're not a great high school wrestler and you really love this and want to wrestle in college, can you? The answer is yes. And not just at one school, but there's several options available. Um, there's several different levels, whether you're looking at JUCO, whether you're looking at um, the uh, NWCA or you're looking at 
um, you know, different NAIA or D3 options. Um, there's, you know, some of the beautiful things about, say, Division three wrestling, for example, is that do you have kids in those rooms who, like, honestly, were not very good high school wrestlers, but they love it so much. They're willing to go through the, you know, they want to wrestle in college and they do it. And you've got guys in the same room that are there that are trying to be national champions. Um, now, you don't have that at the Division One level. I mean, I don't know many people who are sane enough to just be like, oh, I love it. I just want to sit around and get smoked all the time in a Division One room because it's a freaking <laughs> lifestyle. I mean, they don't. The kids started talking D1. I asked them what they think it is. You know, it, there's this there, – not every kid should go Division One. Like, not even some of the best kids in the country. It's something, I mean, it's all about that. But some of the best kids should go D1, honestly. I mean, it, it, it's not for – as we all know, it is not for everybody, and it's not for most. Um, but, yeah, absolutely. To answer the question, 1,000%. And I help them with that through fundamentally finding what do they want from, like, what do they want out of a school? So I have them take a couple different assessments. I have them take a, uh, a Myers-Briggs, and I have them take what's called a college personality assessment. And I want to know what they want. Like, I want to know what they're like, and I want to know what they want out of college because they need to fundamentally pick their school based on the school. Like I can see myself here for four or five years, um, regardless of whether wrestling is in the picture or not. Like if I end up shredding my knee, can I still be happy here? And if the answer is no, then they shouldn't go. If the answer is yes, then go. Sure. So that's the first criteria is not wrestling at all. It's actually just where are you going to be happy? And what can you afford, too? I mean, like, what's your financial what's your financial situation like? Um, and that's another thing that helped them out, too, is navigate that financial process. You know, whether they get an offer. You know, it's not, you know, offers in, in JUCO, offers in, uh, in NAIA, offers in D2. You know, there's a lot of money in those. There's obviously no money in D3. But there's, off, there's like, solid money in those programs. And I, if a kid does get an offer... I, I teach them how to negotiate that offer. I mean, you can negotiate your scholarship. Like, you don't have to just take it at face value. I mean, you could ask for more. But I teach them how to do it in a way that's where they could typically get more money. So I've saved kids up to, you know, anywhere between $5,000 over the course of their college career up to $30,000. Um, you know, not just from athletic aid but also from appeals. You know, I teach kids, there's some kind of little tricks to the trade on if you're applying to a private school, once you get your, uh, once you get your package, I teach them how to go ask for more money and get it. Um, you know, again, it's a fundamentally, it's a business transaction. You're selling your car. Are you going to take the first offer on your car? Or are you going to try to get more out of it? It's the same thing. Right. Right, for sure. Well, man, we don't want to make you give away. All <laughs> well, I don't. I don't think I. I don't. Um, I hope I didn't give them away. Hopefully, I just got some people really thinking they're like, "Dang, you can really save me that much money." <laughs> I hope so. I mean, I hope so because it it is true, you know. And I think I think you make a great analogy there with the with the car. 
you know, because you are selling yourself to a program. You are selling yourself to a coach. Um, and I think, I think you're approaching it the right way of, look, we got to be realistic here in the fact of you may not be – like you may not be a D1 kid, but we're going to find you a program that you can go wrestle for and find you a school that you're going to get education and better your life through wrestling. Because wrestling is such an amazing view. You know, it, it's such a great thing that it's going to carry on for the rest of your life. Wrestling teaches you so much that you're going to use for the rest of your life that – it's such an amazing thing to be a part of. It changes your life. You know, no one works like a right. But, you know, we're, we're coming to the end here. Um, man, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for coming on. Um, it was a pleasure having you, man. We'd love to have you back on sometime. Uh, I, I want to make sure and throw this in there that if you're interested in, in villain coach, village coaching and having them help you get recruited, contact him on his website, reach out to our, to Ryan um, at Rye the NC Wrestling Guy, or to me at 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 Rhett Hoy, or uh, at Carolina Takedown Talk on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, any of those, or just go straight to to Tanner at, at Village Coaching. Um, guys, he's going to do the best he can. He, he's going to treat you guys right. He's going to he's going to get you uh, the perfect fit if you're willing to work with it and you're willing to work, and he's going to set you up in the best way. Um, you know, we definitely trust him. I've, I've known him my whole life. Tanner is—he's gonna fight for the culture, and and his culture is trying to to help everyone through this sport. Amen, man. Well, I'll tell you, <laughs> I will. Anyone who hears the podcast mentions it and schedules the complimentary call with me, um, I will make them a special offer on the call, and um, just say that you mentioned it on here, and I will—I'll—I'll uh, I'll make make a special offer to them uh, to get started. Again, it's a free call. It's non-binding at all. I mean, you can get off the call and be like, hey, you just gave me a lot of a lot of great tips, a lot of great stuff. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Not signing up. No problem. Hope you got something out of it. Um, but, yeah, schedule the call and uh, say you, met, you heard me on here, and I'll make you a special offer. Perfect. Y'all heard it there. Give them a call. Thanks, man. man. Reach out. Let's uh, – Let's get some kids wrestling in college. You know, it, it, like I said, it's just such a great thing. It's a great, great vehicle. It'll change yeah, your life. Amen. Pre- appreciate you coming on, Tanner. I really love. Yeah, uh, man, I had a blast. Thank you so much, you guys, for having me on. And and uh, you know, it means a lot. And I, you know, I love what you guys are doing for the sport and what you know, North Carolina wrestling. You know, it's North Carolina wrestling has a special place in my heart and always will. And uh, it's just so cool to see. Um, you know, what you guys are doing and what you guys are doing for the kids and, and the sport. And, you know, thank you so much for giving back to it. Of course, man. Well, everybody, that's going to be it for this week. Um, join us in later on this week for a, a nationals breakdown. We are, uh, this is the best week in, in wrestling, in my opinion, this weekend's the, the best tournament of the whole year, NCAA Division Ones. Um, y'all have a great week. Tune in next time. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening to Carolina Takedown Talk with Ryan Mitchell and Rhett Hoy, presented by Carolina's Matt News.